Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 74 of our 24-minute recaps. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms. YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, leave a review if you'd like, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow me on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Just posted a TikTok of Paul George's dunk. Go check it out if you didn't. So for tonight's episode, I'm going to be talking about the Clips getting a big but very scary uh, W tonight here in Los Angeles against the Pistons. And then I'm going to talk about the second half or the Celtics and Nuggets. I did only catch the second half, but I'll talk about that as well. And then I did not get to see the Nets-Laker game. I apologize. I had some Laker fans asking me about that. But I heard a lot about it, so I'm going to just give my takeaways from it. And you guys know that I can basically assume what kind of happened in a way because I know those teams pretty well at this point as you guys know so let's get into the clips and the pistons Kawhi rested tonight I'm not even going to discuss it we're just going to move on um he is if anyone deserves to rest though it's Kawhi because not only has he been balling but obviously the quad condition so just want to keep him moving uh, Ibaka not there, and of course Beverly not there. So we had a starting lineup of Reggie, Kennard, PG, Senior, and Zoo. And I was pretty impressed, and no Jeremy Grant for Detroit. So it was I was pretty impressed with the way that they came out in terms of offense. That's the shots that I mean they weren't ma- missing anything. They ended up shooting fifty three percent on the night from from the field and forty seven percent from three. Fifteen of thirty two. It was ridiculous. And part of that comes from our our laziness on defense in the first quarter. I thought we were getting beat off the dribble way too easily. Everyone, Reggie, PG, Morris, whatever, all of them. And just a little slow on the rotations. But I also think they were just making shots. Like Wayne Ellington. Five of seven. All the shots he shot were threes. And he, that was his, that was it. Five of seven. 15 points. Uh, jo- Josh Jackson. The fourth pick in the 2017 draft. Has really shown me some more offensively this season. and uh, But tonight he was extremely good. Because we know what he brings defensively. But he's still only averaging 13 points. So yeah, he definitely had an amazing game tonight. Some of the shots he was hitting. I mean, I know he can hit the open three. But this man was hitting like pull-up mid-ranges. Like over guys. And like there was one where he gave Paul George a taste of his own medicine in the second half. When he had a stiff arm. Like yeah, stiff arm with his left hand. Pull up from the from the circle 18 feet. I was like, okay. And the reason why we stayed in the game, though, was because of our offense, which, which has been, you know, all the, all the Clipper media members keep talking about the historical offenses and whatnot. And we've had a, we have a very good offense, and that's because of Ty Lue. And I'm going to get into Ty at the end of the, uh, of the when I stop talking, uh, at the end of the game, when I'm done with the game, because I had someone, you know, some people on Twitter, they don't, if you're not watching the Clipper games, you know, you don't understand the differences. If you're not watching them consistently, you don't understand the differences between the Tyloo clips and the Glen Rivers clips. 
And I'm going to break that down a little bit more and what he's really done. But our offense is one of the things that has been a huge change, not just like high pick and roll or PG coming off a down screen. That was every play, you know, high pick and roll or PG coming off a down screen, whether it be Lou, Kawhi, or Paul George last year. Now we have way more off the ball movement, way more screens off ball. You know, we have some sets on the triangle, passes to the post, cut through. You know, it's just, and ball movement, you know, we've really emphasized that. And tonight there were moments where we were we had a chance to go stagnant in the fourth quarter. Even guys like Senior PG kept the ball moving as a, except for like one play, one play each or something, something like that. It was good. It's, I liked what I saw. And Paul George and, and Senior were just great. PG was in attack mode from the jump, and he's been really good the last two or three games. Yeah, the last three games, actually, since the Portland game. Getting to the basket. I mean, it's starting to get to the point like where when you watch it from a regular season standpoint as a Clipper fan, when there's no, you know, you're not getting nervous like that. I'm really starting to appreciate Paul George for the skilled, talented player that he is. Like, this dude, regardless of the chokes, he's going to have a Hall of Fame case when his career's over. And hopefully that uh, the chokes won't even be a thing after this year. But, man, like, the offensive skill and talent that that guy has for his size and athleticism when he's really, uh, when he's really into it, you know what I'm saying? Like, when he's really feeling himself, going to the basket. It really just starts with him going to the basket. For example, he shot five threes tonight. Guess how many twos he shot? 20. And he was 12 of 25. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's exactly what I want to see. Because I know he's a great shooter, but I love when he's in attack mode. The only fucking problem I have is in the third quarter, these refs were literally on crack or something. Like, they straight up were not giving us anything, especially Paul, who has not gotten anything all season. And what I love about Paul is that he's been actually going to the basket more lately, even after he's been fined for saying everything that he has, which is making me, all I want to see is people, this is why I called Kawhi Kuwait last year after game seven, because he wasn't putting any pressure on the refs. He just was like, oh, they're not giving me a call or two. I'm just going to stand out here and shoot contested 18 footers over Jeremy Grant. And Paul George is being a puss in the second half of those games. But Paul George lately and Kawhi lately are making a real effort to get to the basket which is exactly what will get us to the conference finals and beyond because PG is 6'8 with bounce and a layup package he still misses chippies though but lately he's been going much more into defenders but the problem is these motherfucking refs not giving him shit that was so frustrating because Corey Joseph's getting these little bump fouls from behind. That shit was pissing me the fuck off. He was getting those little bump fouls, and they get the little toe-touch fouls. Like, oh my god. And we challenged one in the second quarter with Kennard, and they didn't give it to us. It was bullshit. Frank Jackson, who actually really impressed me, by the way. Really nice shots he was making. You know, open threes, but also getting into the mid-range shooting floaters. Like, there was one old-school 70s style on a fast break. Defender sagged off, and instead of just trying to go at him, popped for a little six-footer Clyde Frazier style. But, um... Bullshit fouls, okay? Bullshit fouls that were letting the Pistons kind of increase that lead in the third quarter to 10. But I love how he responded. And I like how we responded in the second quarter, too. Like, we were down, like, six in the first, but we just kept at it. And Senior was just incredible. I mean, Senior off the catch is unbelievable. Like, well, really, like, what off the catch, 
you know, when people are closing out hard or just closing out in general, he's like all-star quality. Like he, cause he's, he can make contested shots from the three, which he was doing. And he hits his open shots. Like I expect, I literally, Clipper fans, you can tell me if you think this way too, but I think that he's going to make every shot he hits when, when he shoots it. Like I straight up think he's going to make everything. It's amazing how he's developed over his career. Unbelievable. Ever since like the 2018 season. And even, he's just gotten better and better. I mean, can't say enough about him offensively. Defensively, though, we were struggling, man, because I just thought the part, as I said, the Pistons were playing great. I got to give it to him. Uh, Corey Joseph was playing well, too, and they got some good length on the perimeter, but uh, I thought we were a little lazy. I thought Reggie was pretty quiet, and also Paul George on defense. There were, like, no moments where I said, nice defense, Paul, and I always do usually say that because he, he's a great defender, but tonight I didn't have any of them. No you know, I just thought that we were not as sharp. And, you know, that's, that comes from Kawhi. That comes from underestimating your opponent. But also, Pistons were making it tough. They were making shots. and that's. A, but I thought that our defense got a lot better with Batum in the game. And we're going to get to Batum. So we go to this. We, we were down, what? We were up one at the half. I thought we had it in the bag. But then we had that, re, you know, the refs going crazy. You know, they were hitting everything. And, like, it was one where Sadiq hit it from like 30 feet out to beat the buzzer of the shot clock. Reggie wasn't playing that great a D. Senior was getting beat off the dribble a lot, like a lot, a lot, and committing some careless fouls. But he was his offense was just so good, and Paul George's offense was so good. They just kept, kept us in the game, and I just love that we don't get away from our stuff. You know, we keep moving the ball, and that's what's important. And Luke Kennard was also really solid tonight in his minutes. Um, the plus-minus says otherwise, but... I think, obviously, Kennard's just not that great at defense, but he doesn't not try. So that's like, I just can't hate on, I can't dislike anybody, somebody that doesn't, you know. If you give, like, Kennard, defense is a skill in itself. People don't want to talk about it, but it is lateral movement, all this stuff. It's a skill. Kennard doesn't really have that skill. But he gives his best, and he's not a, that dumb of a defender. He usually knows what he's doing. He's just... 6'4", and he's not that big and strong. He's a finesse skill player. So he's an offensive skill player, that is. And so he's just, you know, that's what he is. So our defense is not going to be as good with him in. That's why he's not going to be seeing as many minutes in the playoffs, as I said. But I thought that offensively he was great because that dribble pull-up going right is, like, fucking automatic from mid-range. Like, I love it. Shamit never had that. <laughs> never. So I love that. Is it worth $16 million a year? Probably not. But I still mess with it because here's the thing. If we get to the conference finals, we could have paid him $100 fucking million dollars a year. I don't care. I know the salary cap. But I'm, my point is I don't care how much we pay our players if we're playing well. That's all that matters to me. So we were staying in the game. And then fourth quarter was very entertaining. 99-94 going into it where we were down. And we outscored the Pistons 37-25 in that quarter. And I'll tell you what, man. There were some moments of this game where we were on the verge of going down 12, 13 points or 15 points even. And and this has happened in multiple games now. The timeliness of Nick Batum's plays on both ends of the floor, I cannot understate to you guys. Hand in the passing lane constantly. Knows where he needs to be on defense all the time. He's very solid on the ball. Obviously not as good as he once was, but very solid on the ball. Still can guard one through three, one through four, even in today's NBA, sometimes even one through five. And he makes the right play. He keeps the ball moving. He never holds the ball too long. He's the best on our team at moving without the ball. And he made some huge threes tonight along with some huge plays. And one of them that will never show up in the stat sheet was 
like you don't get a stat for when it's a, a loose ball rebound and all you do is get in the vicinity and in between a crowd of multiple players on the other team and they tip it out of bounds. You're not going to get an offensive rebound for that. That's going to go down as a team rebound and you're never it's never going to show up in the stats. And Nick Batum did that tonight in the fourth quarter. He came, the ball back of the rim, he comes in and it was tipped out of bounds by a piston only because he was there. And a couple threes were made when we could have gone down 10 points, you know, eight points. And he consistently has been so reliable this season. And I, I think he's just been so shockingly good. So, Nick, man, we I can't – thank you, man. Thank you. Continue. We, you got it, man. And, and off the bench, starting, he is totally bought into every role. And, yeah. So, he was great. Nick Batum, 31 minutes in the game, 5 of 6 on the field, 4 of 4 from 3. Jesus Christ. I didn't even notice that. 14 points, 9 rebounds. Oh, by the way, yes, did a great job rebounding as well. Boxing out, actually. Because they had Isaiah Stewart, Mason Plumlee, they will actually go for rebounds. And plus 29, the highest on our team, and then 3 blocks and a steal to go along with it. So Nick was unbelievable. And then to round it, oh, by the way, Paul George in the fourth quarter continued to go to the basket. He still wasn't getting much love. Let's see how many free throws he shot. Okay, seven. That's not bad. He could have. He should have gotten double digits though, with the way he was going to the rim. He also had nine assists, so he was making really good reads and just coming off screens hard, attacking the basket. And man, that dunk. That was just like, okay, I don't give a fuck if I'm not getting calls. I'm getting to the basket. Oh my lord. He baptized that man, Isaiah Stewart. I was out of my seat. He's had some of those this season, Paul. He's got it in him. It's all up here. Because that dude, whoo, whoo, that was nice. And then, of course, playoff. What more can be said about playoff? He started out a little poorly. You know, a little out of, you know, nowhere to be found on defense, kind of. And then two careless turnovers when he started. But that second half, man, that second half, not only did he, you know, he missed the first two open threes, didn't get discouraged, kept shooting it. His switch recognition, some of the times, sometimes he'd be just be making passes and reads, because, like, usually I can see, because we're watching it from a bird's eye view kind of thing. I can see what reads need to be made and stuff, even on the first play but sometimes this little rondo he like even sees stuff that i'm not even seeing like on, on the tv he he'll be, I'll, I'll be like whoa i did not see that like magic style and like he has these one bounce pass where i don't paul was just running baseline and this man bounced it through the whole defense and i don't think paul was even expecting it and he just bobbled the ball moments like that as you know this channel's called dime dropper for a reason those get me like those are, those are hilarious i love that but Rondo's switch recognition, like Senior gets a mismatch, he feeds him. You know, Kennard's five for five, he feeds him. He knows just exactly what to do. And then we finally got our first ever, ding, 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 playoff Rondo huddle at the foul line on a free throw with about 11.45 to go in the fourth. And man, if I, if I had been more diligent, I could have gone back and checked what the score was after that huddle because man, oh man, we took off. This guy's incredible. He's just everything we could have asked for and more. And I'm not I'm not going to say I was right because it's not I'm not smart for saying that I was uh, that he was going to be good. It's fucking Rondo. What did you expect? You think you think he really gave a shit on Atlanta until the playoffs? That's when he gives a shit. Oh my god, so funny. And then what else? Zoo was not that great. I thought he was better as the game went on like the fourth quarter, but like there was one play where he saved the ball underneath our own basket so blatantly to the to the Pistons. 
oh my God, bro. I was like, dude, Paul George is literally standing right there. And then, you know, cardinal sin uh, of basketball, as Jim Jackson said in commentary, don't save the ball under your own basket. So that was domeless. But <laughs> Zoo is all right, though. He still had some good uh, 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 activity on the glass and caused a couple loose ball fouls. And did a good job playing defense without fouling as the game went on. He still had a double-double. 13, 10, and 7. Okay, 7 assists. I didn't even notice that. He made some really solid reads off the hedge and recover. They were, you know, throwing two hedge and recover on Paul George. But you throw it to Zoo in the middle, and we got floor spacers. Senior, you have to respect his shot. Same with Luke Kennard. So, I'm just so ecstatic about Rondo. It's just... We really have such a good team this year. And I'm actually, I really like the team now. Like, they're really winning me over. Paul's winning me over, and so is Kawhi. But at the same time, I could go back to fucking hating them if they don't make it out of the second round because there's no excuse for this, literally. We're so solid. We're really so solid. It's just that we need to not play the Lakers in the first or second round because that's the only team where when push comes to shove, I think that we have an excuse somewhat to lose to them because I don't think that we're favored to win. I think they're just stacked, and LeBron is LeBron, and I still... Would favor him in a seven NAD over Paul and Kawhi. However, we have a good matchup with them, and I don't even think we're gonna play them because it's just 36 years we haven't played them. So I would I think my money being put is better that it's we're not gonna play them. I just I'm just focusing on the next game, and that's Indiana. So Clipper fans, enjoy tonight. We really killed that homestand. That Orlando game really pissed me the fuck off. That's the only game we didn't go live all season. But man. Great homestand. We took care of business for the most part. 37 and 18, 131 to 124 is the final from Staples Center. For me, the player of the game was senior. 33 points, six boards, 13 of 18, six of eight from three. My goodness. What's senior averaging on the season? Let's take a look. I don't know if they probably haven't updated tonight's stats, but he's averaging 12 points a game. And yeah, 12 points a game, 45% from the field, and he's shooting even better from three than he is from the field. And the reason that is is because most of his threes are open and off the catch, whereas when he's shooting twos, he's mid-range, 80, 80s, 90s style, one-on-one. -on -one. So, And that uh, right there kind of goes to my point of what I said in Is the NBA Getting Better and Better about how open threes are not more difficult than the stocks that the mid-range maestros practiced. You know, that they hit consistently. The Norm Nixons of the world, James Worthies, Basically, any great player from the 80s and 90s, uh, Oscar Robertson, it's hard. That's a hard skill, you know, to develop, to contest in mid-ranges with guys in your grill. And it, I think it's lost art, but I think that there are still some players that do play that way. And I think Paul and Kawhi are two of them that really are knocked down from that range. But let's move on to the Celtics because they had a really interesting game today against the, the Nuggets. And on behalf of Clipper Nation, thank you, De uh, Boston, because we needed that. Denver was right on our tails. They didn't have Jamal Murray. I turned the game on at halftime when the Celtics were down by a score of 45-51. to 51. And I watched the third quarter, and I liked the way JB came out. Dribble handoffs, hitting open threes. Or he hit, I think it was just one open three, but after that, it opened up for him. Off the catch, they were closing out hard. Senior style, and one thing I'll say about senior today as well, he took it to the basket when they closed out hard multiple times. And he doesn't really get to the rim like that. So I was really happy to see that. But similar, same thing goes for Jalen. They were closing out hard. He was getting to the rim. Tatum, though, was not great in this stretch in this third quarter. He was turning the ball over. He was sleeping on defense. He was taking those contested threes. He missed a layup in transition. And Joker, 
who is starting to pull away from me as the MVP, was literally tearing them apart. And he is just so tough because... And I think this season, man, depending on the playoffs, Jokic really has a chance to break into the top five players in the league. And you know what, man? Laker fans aren't going to like this, but it's I think Anthony Davis and Jokic... It's it's time to it's time to start talking, and we're gonna see though in the playoffs. I'm not gonna say he's better than Anthony Davis yet because Anthony Davis's defense, but it shows you the way the Lakers have played defense, and we'll get into them in a second. That um, it's not been just Anthony Davis, and it's not been even LeBron and Anthony Davis. It's really Vogel and the coaching staff's principles that they've instilled in this team. But anyway, we're talking about the Celtics right now. I'm getting off topic, but Jokic was killing him. And here's the thing about Jokic. Not only can he hit the mid, not only can he post up, which he was doing to the Time Lord, who in fairness played well as well, and he's a very good defender. Um, He has to be closed out and respected at the three-point line. And he gets, and, and these amazing passes he makes you have to you have to watch everyone on the on the nuggets when you're playing against Joker because the second you fall asleep he will find you cutting to the basket his bounce passes and whip passes on for cutters are maybe the best in the league and his passing out of the post is decent too very solid he He's unbelievable, and he was killing the Celtics in this stretch, but the Celtics rebounded well in the non-Jokic minutes. Let's look at Jokic's plus-minus because it's very indicative of what happened. Plus nine. Paul Millsap and Jamichael, minus 23, and they both shot one of Millsap, one of five, Jamichael, one of six, which is very rare. You don't see Jamichael and Paul Millsap shooting like that, and Monte Morris, one of six, so their bench just really didn't perform but they did rely heavily on the starters. Each starter played 30-plus minutes, including Facundo Campazzo, who's who was getting the look, I guess, over Monte. So Nuggets fans, you can tell me more if that's warranted or not. Michael Porter Jr. was Chuck City, 9 of 23, 1 of 12 from 3. And the Nuggets commentators, Chris, uh, I don't know if it's Scott Hastings and Chris Marlowe or Chris Hastings and Scott Marlowe, but Michael Porter Jr., they were talking about how he shoots too many threes. Typical Gen Z uh, uh behavior um 13 from will barton on 4 of 11 but the celtics really turned it around in those non-jokic minutes and it started with tatum i thought kemba was good attacking the basket too but tatum he started coming alive mid-range threes just dipping into his bag being a little more aggressive and without Jokic and without murray that nuggets offense was trash and the celtics really ratcheted it up on d and it was a crazy spurt because by the time Joker came in, the momentum was really going away and the Celtics continued to pour it on. And you got to give a lot of credit to Tristan Thompson off the bench. He's been really solid since the Tice trade because his value has really what he's done for the team. The, the negatives have been taken away from his game kind of by just having another big that doesn't space the floor very well. And is the similar to Tice on defense. Not a very good rim protector. Decent at moving his feet. I think Tice is a little better laterally. But Thompson's a bigger body. And Tristan Thompson's offensive rebounding is one of the best in, in this 2010s. Not saying much, but it is. Um, I thought also Grant Williams did a very good job on Joker in the post. Very good. And he really helped turn this game around. Plus 23 for Grant Williams. That was significantly the highest. And also Romeo Langford. The lottery pick out of Indiana last year. He came in and did a good job as well. Five points, won't tell you the story, but defensively he was good. He has good length, and he was plus 18 to show for that. 
But the Celtics ran away with it, and it was a really solid performance in the end. JT had 28-10, and 10, 9 of 23 from the field. He made all his free throws. And the Time Lord had 10-8 and 8 on 5 of 6. Kemba, not shooting too great. 0 of 7 from 3, but 6 of 8 from 2. So maybe he needs to show with the 3s. 14 points, 5 boards, 6 assists. Marcus Smart was solid as well. 14 points, 4 boards, 5 assists. Jalen, 20 points, 8 of 15 from the field and 8 boards. In the second half, I thought he was the best starter. But I thought the bench for the Celtics really outplayed the Nuggets bench, and that was because of the defense. So a great win for Boston, 28 and 26. Things are starting to look up, and they just got to build some momentum going into this latter stretch of the season. Fourth quarter stat is astonishing, 31 to 8. The Celtics outscored the Nuggets. It was something. And Jokic started struggling against Grant Williams. A little suspect. 17 points, 10 boards, 11 assists on 6 of 15. I think sometimes Jokic needs to look to score a little more and hold the ball less, be more decisive and quick. I know he likes to wait and make the right reads, but I think sometimes that can take his teammates out of rhythm. Anyway, let's move on to... I'm going to briefly talk about it. Not much. I didn't watch the game. Uh, Lakers and Nets. Very impressive from the Lakers. Um... Um, very impressive. I didn't see the game. I saw Drummond had glowing reviews. So, and that's why I said, I've, guys, you can go back and check the receipts. But I said that the re, the biggest move, the the biggest uh, plus for the Drummond move for the Lakers was the Nets matchup because the way the the biggest weakness the Nets have is the inside interior presence. But can the Lakers expose that? I think better than most any any teams. Because LeBron is a truck and less stiff arm, less tank, less shoulder. And then there's AD when he wants to be aggressive, which I think in the bigger games he will be. He'll have his soft moments though, no doubt. And then there's Drummond who is a bully in the paint. So I think that's going to be the biggest weakness for the Nets again, if they get to play the Lakers in the guaranteed finals that all these people are saying, which I hope to God just doesn't happen just for the sake of humanity because I hate the, I hate it. I hate it with a passion. Lakers and Nets, well, get your popcorn ready. Why don't everybody just not even play? Shut the fuck up. Anyway, I hope these motherfuckers lose, both of them. Just such easily easy to hate teams. But anyway, let's just give the Lakers no credit for this win, though. Without Kuz, without Braun, you know what it stems from? Frank Vogel and his team's defensive principles, AC, Dennis, they've all been great defensively this year. And that's what makes the Lakers so dangerous. Because even though you got to integrate guys back into the fold, defensive principles are going to stick for the most part. And there's no chance that LeBron and AD is going to hurt their defense. So it's, they're going to be a tough team to beat. I think they're just extremely stacked. I think the Clippers are really stacked too. I just think that, I don't know if they're even going to run into each other. That's the thing. But yeah, it's just a matter of, at the end of the day though, it's the battle of the stars in the playoffs and good teams will expose Drummond's weaknesses and Montrader's weaknesses and other players' weaknesses better than these bullshit matchups in the regular season. And the Nets, we also have to talk about the Nets. Yes, Ben McLemore, I'm sorry. I have to give him credit too. And that, I, told, I, I said, somebody asked me if that was a good move. That's a really good move. Because he can hit the three ball. And the Lakers have struggled with the three ball this year. But anyway, that's it for tonight, guys. For the uh, Oh, yeah, the Nets. Let me just finish off with them a little bit. Everyone thinks they're just a shoe-in to go to the finals and, and win the championship if they're there. And they've already got the excuses ready-made for LeBron and Anthony Davis and the Lakers. They built a super team. Once we get Steph, it'll be even. Shut the fuck up and cry me a river, you cucks. L listen, the Nets... 
have like I don't know if they're gonna be they're they're just really relying on talent here because I think Nash has done a great job and I think that Harden, KD, and Kyrie have all had solid individual seasons. Problem is they haven't played much together. And are they going to be able to turn that on and just be perfect together in the playoffs and healthy and mentally there against teams with chemistry that have been having that continuity all season? So I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that's it for me tonight, guys. Let's go to the live subscribers. Super Chat's turned on. Drop a dollar or a dime. What do you guys think of the new lighting? We got some new things coming, and I'm going to be trying to put in a lot of work. I just haven't had as much time with doing some work on the side. Thanks for joining me, and peace.